Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Warren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. So I think we all enter our 20s with this idea, you know, that there will be challenges, of course, that things might be hard and then it won't maybe go exactly according to plan. But you have a, a little bit of this idea in your head of, okay, th- you know, this is what it's going to look like by the time I'm 25. This is what my life will look like by the time I'm 30. Mm. And then you kind of get into the middle of your 20s and you realize, oh, well, that plan's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it was almost realizing in my like mid to late 20s, like 27, maybe like, oh, we're, we're playing for keeps. Like, <laughs> like there's not like a day where your life starts. It's like, oh, yeah, no, like we're, we're in it. Yeah. No, you just kind of move from one thing to the next. And I mean, doors open and I think, the, you know, the Lord leads you in directions that you're like, oh, didn't see that one coming. OK, <laughs> we'll roll with it. Uh, but it it is fascinating when you kind of look back on uh, on your 20s and you realize, wow, um, I, I thought that was going to go differently. <laughs> OK, that's fine. <laughs> Well, I uh, I recently spoke with an awesome lady named Rebecca Stowe. I have actually mentioned her on the show before. She's the author of a book titled Unbothered, What I Learned the Hard Way About College, Job Hunting, and How to Make Your 20s Suck a Little Less. So Rebecca is a regular podcast listener, um, and she wrote this book about, about her 20s and just about that, about how you have these expectations when you graduate college about getting a job quickly and having community and maybe a boyfriend and all of these things. And then you kind of keep going and getting into it and you realize, oh, all of those expectations are not being met. And this is actually really hard. (laughs) And she does a phenomenal job in her book of explaining all those ups and downs with humor. She's a hilarious, hilarious writer. So I had so much fun talking with her today on the show about how do you actually become unbothered? How do you get to a place where you can keep hope in the midst of expectations and, you know, those things not being met and a lot of disappointment and still kind of getting up every day and saying, I'm not going to play the victim. I'm going to keep going and pursuing my dreams, um, not in a fluffy way, but in taking practical and powerful steps towards the life that you want. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Let's go ahead and get to it. I am joined by the very problematic Rebecca Stowe, who also just so happens to be the author of the new book, Unbothered. What I learned the hard way about college, job hunting, and how to make your 20s suck a little less. Rebecca, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is the first time I've been introduced like that. That was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting. Well, it's quite the book title. It is. So it's it's a like, yeah, <laughs> it comes with a bang. But our, our listeners may remember that I, I mentioned the book and Rebecca back in December around Christmas time. I was like, everyone should buy the book for Christmas because it's so good. Um, (laughs) But I think I was thinking back, Rebecca, to like how we first connected. And it was probably like a year and a half ago, right, that you sent me an email? That sounds about right, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we connected over email and you asked, you're like, I'm I'm a listener of the show and would love to just like hop on a phone call and chat. And I was like, sure, let's, let's do it. So we talked on the phone and then I think it was like maybe five months later or so, you emailed me and were like, I wrote a book. I was like, <laughs> what? You wrote a book? <laughs> She's so great. And also, yeah, I was just amazed. Like, okay, 
that's incredible that you just sat down and and wrote a book. So it's called Unbothered again, and um, you sent me a copy. I think it was like a Sunday night that I got it, and I sat down on my couch and started reading, and honestly, I couldn't put it down because it's so funny. It's super relatable. There's so many things that I was like, oh, yeah, that's a frustration I have had from being in my 20s. These are conversations that I've had with my friends, and you're just like seeing your life (laughs) in the pages. Oh, my gosh. I love to hear that. That was exactly what I was hoping would be the experience for people that would choose to read it. Yeah, well, it definitely, it certainly was for me when I read it. And the title, like we said, it's just so fantastic. (laughs) Unbothered, what I learned the hard way about college, job hunting, and how to make your 20s suck a little less. So, you know, I think we all learn a lot in our 20s. It's sort of like the crash course (laughs) on life decade. But not everyone actually chooses to sit down and write down all of the lessons Mm -hmm. that they learned. Why did you? It's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To be honest with you, it was never my intention when I started writing about all of this that it would turn into a book. I have always enjoyed writing. It's always been kind of my, I joke that it's in my saving grace. Um, When I was in school, when I would take exams, I would sometimes struggle with the multiple choice and short answers, but the essays, for whatever reason, would always just flow right out of me. So I figured, you know, if I had to suffer through all of this (laughs) in my 20s, I might as well write about it and hope that maybe I can help somebody else who is going through something similar. Um, It just, it was cathartic for me, honestly. And so I guess you could say it started more as a journal versus I'm going to write a book. Um, But I was fortunate to get some positive feedback and encouragement from friends and family who knew that I enjoyed writing and had written other things throughout the years that, you know, just kind of one-off projects that I had done. And I was like, sure, why not? (laughs) Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you did that. You just took the time to actually sit down and write. I want to read um, a little portion of the the very beginning of your book. Sure. It's on page two. Um, and you write, as far as I was concerned for a long time, career, or lack thereof, was the basis for self-identity. My work experiences had been nothing short of hellacious, <laughs> so I struggled to define myself. After college and throughout my 20s, I had friends working in all kinds of fields from interior design and PR to counseling and finance. And then there was me. So just share, Rebecca, if you would share a little bit of, of your own story. You you finished college mm-hmm. and, and then what? Oh, man. And then <laughs> the realities of life kind of hit you like a freight train. I, yeah. I had absolutely... And let, go ahead. Let's start. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Let's start with where Where did you go to school? Give us a oh, little bit sure. of that background and then jump into the post. Yeah. Um, I went to Grand Valley State University, which was in Allendale, Michigan, the Grand Rapids area, okay. like west side of the state. Um, and you're originally from Grand Rapids, right? No, I'm actually from a town outside of Lansing. So like mid-Michigan, okay. I'm about 10 Got minutes it. down the road from Michigan State. 
Awesome. Um, so that was a question I got a lot was why didn't you go to Michigan State <laughs> when I live <laughs> so close? Um, it honestly would have been an extension of high school because so many mm. people did go there. I loved Grand Valley. It was a really good fit for me. It was um, obviously not a Big Ten school, but it wasn't very small. It was right kind of in the middle. And I had some great experiences there, met some great people. It was a very hard adjustment at first, which I did write about um, in the book as well. That was something I was not prepared for, (laughs) Um, the difficulty of moving away from home for me for what was the first time that I'd ever done that. And I guess life after college was a similar effect. Um, Again, was totally unprepared and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I had kind of had the idea of going into event planning. That was what my major was within hospitality. Um, but I struggled to find an actual position as most people do right away. And honestly, it just is kind of, it's very jarring (laughs) when you realize like things like even like your friends, like, Oh, I can't just drive five minutes down the road and hang out with my closest friends anymore. Everybody kind of dispersed, moved to different parts of the country and kind of felt like my whole support system fell out from under me. And yeah, that it just, it's not something, I mean, your professors in college aren't going to really sit down and tell you, right? Like, by the way, nothing is going to make any sense and everything is going to (laughs) suck and (laughs) nobody else really knows what they're doing either. (laughs) <laughs> but good luck. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so it totally. just, and being the fact that I was an event planner by nature and through study, I, it was hard for me to feel like I was so out of control. Hmm. Yeah, totally. And that's, it's so wild, I think, when you, uh, you go from the season of, of school where literally, um, you know, you, you have a little more freedom in college, obviously, from, from high school. Right. Not every hour of your day is scheduled, but there's structure. And you know during those four years what things are going to look like overall from one day to the next, from, you know, year to year, month to month. Um, and then you're kind of thrust out into the real world, and, and it is, it's a totally different it's a totally different game yes. and and you're learning all these things still about yourself and the world and, and how it works. And you have a lot of expectations yes. when you enter that world of what it's supposed to look like or going to look yes. like. No, that's accurate for sure. Yeah. So as, as you started your job search in the quote unquote real world, what was, what was going through your head? What were you, what were your thoughts as you were looking for a job? Oh, well, this sucks. I'm never going to find anything. No one's ever going to want to hire me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Those were on repeat. The other part that was really hard for me was the fact that it felt like all of my friends were effortlessly landing where they were supposed to be and finding these jobs that sounded so amazing and perfect and great for them and exactly what they studied. And, you know, that is also kind of hard to reconcile because of course you want to be happy for your friends. But for me, when it was like, Oh, like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) Why can't I figure it out too? Um, that just kind of, it compounded 
on top of already feeling like I wasn't good enough, which was at the root of most of this for me and I imagine for a lot of people. And the fact that nobody nobody was really talking about it super openly, even with my friends, I think everybody was struggling and nobody really knew how to communicate that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so you, it's like with social media, right? You can look at these people, whether it's your friend or not, just somebody that you follow and think their life is so perfect and they have it all figured out. And the truth is they don't. Yeah, <laughs> they really totally. don't. And um, if I had understood that a little bit better, that probably would have helped. Yeah, But that yeah. compare and despair trap is very easy to fall into. And when when did you start to recognize like, oh, like I, I think there's like some some deeper stuff here, like maybe some um, some of that comparison like uh, that I, I need to work through. And uh-huh. um, yeah. When when did it become, oh, maybe this isn't just about my finding a job? Uh, not until much, much later in my 20s, <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> just within the last like three to four years, probably. Um, somewhere along the way, well, in 2016, I think it was, I worked with my first health coach, which was like a whole other story. I, um, went on a little segue on my career path and I became a certified health coach as well. But that was kind of the beginning of my self-reflection, I guess you could say. And starting to take a really good, honest look at who I was, who I was Mm -hmm. becoming, do I like where I'm headed and recognizing that I was, I was in that victim mentality. And that's a really hard thing, I think, to not only recognize, but to like embrace and admit about yourself so that you can turn it around. Because honestly, I I did not like how I was feeling. And in hindsight, I really don't like who I was acting like either, just in the sense that I was so negative and just, I had, I had no hope. And I think that translates in a lot of different parts of your life that you maybe don't recognize when you're in it. But I was like, wow, I must've been such a killjoy (laughs) to like, to be around, you know, like my friends, my family. And of course they were also supportive and encouraging despite all of that, but, um, it's not helpful and it's, it did absolutely nothing to improve my situation or help me find a job or anything. So that was a huge turning point for me. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. That, that little victim voice is like, pretends to be a friend but is like such an enemy yes. at the end of the day so true. So it's like you're telling yourself like oh what was me like it feels good in the moment but it's like oh it is such a trap to fall into uh-huh. and it's so easy to fall into because it's like yeah life is hard yes. and we have these big challenges and like there are those moments where it's like oh gosh you know things feel out of control and I, I feel powerless to this but 
then, you know, when you kind of come up from from that and realize like, oh, wow, okay, no, no, I, I do have power. Yeah. And I, I can make choices. And it's so freeing. And it's like, oh, no, I believe that lie. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's huge to get to that place of overcoming. So for, for you, the job search in total was, was about six years, right? Yeah, honestly, like, I started looking for jobs even before I graduated. And I did a couple of, you know, like I worked in a hair salon for like a couple months right after I graduated. I ended up quitting that, moved home. I worked in a childcare facility slash preschool for about a whole school year and ended up moving back to Grand Rapids for what I thought was my dream job as an event coordinator. And that did not turn out the way I thought it was going to at all. Um, but in hindsight, again, was a pretty big turning point and learning experience in a lot of different ways. And I mean, it's hard. It's like you had just said, like, there are a lot of challenges. And I was at that time, I was 22, 23 years old. I knew nothing. <laughs> so to <Yeah. laughs> be thrown into this full-time job working in an office environment, which was new for me as well. None of my internships had been in that type of an environment and living on my own. It's just, there are all of these like huge brand new firsts, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that you're trying to digest and get used to. And, and so when you don't like what you're doing five days a week, eight hours a day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's hard. It's hard. Absolutely. So when did the breakthrough finally come? When did you get the job that you were like, okay, yeah, I I feel good here. And not only the, the job, but kind of the mindset that, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I I can be unbothered <laughs> by all the ebbs and flows yes. of this world. Um, honestly, I just landed in it in October 2020. So I've only been in it for a little over a year. Well, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it's, it's pretty wild to look back on getting to this point. And I think, I don't think I know that I had to go through what I did go through to appreciate where I am now. You know, mm-hmm. no job is perfect. There are certainly things that, you know, I maybe wish I didn't have to do, but it just comes with the territory. But mm-hmm. I can look at that with a different perspective now than I would have, you know, even three years ago, where it's more I get to do this versus I have to do this. That's been a huge mm-hmm. thing for me with my mindset, especially the last couple of years with everything that's going on in the country and people that have lost their jobs and things that are completely out of their control, their businesses and everything that they've lost. I just, I really come from that place of gratitude. Um, and that alone, like you had mentioned with your mindset is very powerful. Yeah, it so is. So what are you doing now? What, what is this job that that you finally (laughs) landed? (laughs) Um, so I work in communications, um, for a trade association in Lansing So we represent the beer and wine wholesalers 
in the state of Michigan mm. and we have awesome. um, some associate members as well. But yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, a lot of different types of work and even getting exposure to the state level government, which has been new for me. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun to kind of get to have your hands on a lot of different things within your job. Yeah. And so when when you look back on on your journey and oh, college and, and post-college and the job search and kind of the journey of figuring out who mm-hmm. you were, what what are the things that you would say, okay, I wish someone would have told me this, you know, when I graduated high school versus the things that you're like, actually, I know I just had to go out and learn that for myself. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the hard part with um learning through experience versus mm-hmm. trying to just communicate something to someone. I I think a big thing for me would have been like I had mentioned earlier nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There's like a weird sense of comfort in that to know that you're not the only one. And especially in this day and age with the way social media is and what a huge influence that is on especially young people on their experience. I think that's something that needs to be driven home a little bit more is not to compare yourself. It's it's really hard to learn how to not do that. And I definitely still struggle with it sometimes. But there's no timeline. There's no deadline mm-hmm. for anything, whether it's your job or dating or buying a house or whatever, fill in the blank thing that you're striving for. Um, again, that can feel really hard when it feels like everyone around you is checking off all of those boxes. But I have found that in my experience, when I, when I just kind of ground myself and focus on, well, what feels right for me, what makes sense for me, what do I actually want? Because sometimes with that compare and despair, you might find yourself wanting something just because somebody else is doing it and not necessarily because it's right for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. like a important distinction to learn how to make in your thought. Yeah, yeah. And you may have sort of answered this already, but in the title of the book is Unbothered, What I Learned the Hard Way About College Job Hunting and How to Make Your 20s Suck a Little Less. So what, I mean, I, I want people to buy the book and, <laughs> and discover for themselves, but what is kind of the the key to becoming unbothered and a little bit, um, I guess, un- unshakable in yeah. this crazy world and, and having that ability to have joy every day, even when every day isn't necessarily joyful? Right. Uh, for me, my faith has been huge in that and recognizing that there is a higher power. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. someone else that's in control. And that was something I have lost touch with for several years uh, during and after college. And again, I know this isn't going to be a part of everyone's experience. And I say that throughout the book, I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do or what you should or shouldn't believe. But that was a huge part of my journey was reconnecting to that faith 
and and using that to ground and center myself because I know what I went through when I wasn't leaning on that (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it was very difficult yeah yeah no I'm same (laughs) I can very much so relate to that and it's amazing um, I think to to walk through life knowing, oh, yeah, there's a God who loves me. Yes. And at the end of the day, like the fact that he loves me and I love him and I'm going to love other people and, and serve him, like that that's the most important. Um, and that's – it's a really, really big deal. There's such such peace, I think, that yes. comes with that naturally. Um, so thanks for sharing that and your personal story with that. Um, as, as you were writing the book, was there a certain chapter – that you just had a particular amount of fun writing? Ooh. Yeah, I think as I, because of course it, it kind of started off as more of the centered on the job search part mm-hmm. of things. And then later on in my 20s, as I was personally going through, like I had mentioned earlier, becoming a health coach, um, that was kind of a more fun chapter to write because that was around the time that I was starting to have some of my own mindset shifts that were making some positive changes in my life. Yeah. And, um, there's a chapter about dating in there. That was kind of fun too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I really, I appreciated that chapter. I could relate to a lot of things. Yeah. And I love the, the like headers of all the chapters are hilarious <laughs> and you use humor so well. Um, but like, you know, one chapter, 2017, Britney Spears or <laughs> yes. like just so, so funny. You have one with uh, about Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. and you know, the ugly cry. <laughs> yes. Like just so, so funny. So why why did you kind of decide to put in a lot of like the cultural references and like on the back you have these like fun little sketches and there's like the classic guy <laughs> holding the fish that we see on all of the dating all apps. All the dating apps, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did did you come up with some of these illustrations and, and ideas? Were, were you working with, uh, with an editor on this? Because it's so creative. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a combined effort. I did work with a graphic designer. She is wildly talented, and I will plug her. Um, her name is Amber Shaberg, and she did a fantastic job bringing my vision to life. I gave her kind of an idea of what I wanted for the cover, and she uh, designed all of it. And a lot of it was, like you said, the like the guy on the back cover was just based on stereotypes. <laughs> um, a couple of the people so were based on uh, people that I knew, like my one of my gym teachers uh, from uh, middle school and <laughs> a professor from college. But, you know, that it was that was honestly, you would ask what one of the chapters was the most fun to write. I think one of the more fun parts, too, was designing the cover and the interior illustrations. I just, I mean, I like the cultural references myself. I Mm -hmm. think it makes it like you had said more relatable and also just kind of an element of humor on its own. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, no, I think it lets you like find yourself in the story. You're like, oh yeah, I remember when that (laughs) 
thing happened back in you know 2011 or whatever uh-huh. it's just fun so so are there more are there more books coming oh my gosh everyone keeps asking me that <laughs> <laughs> i would like to for sure i i haven't officially started anything yet but i think the concept and how i wrote it certainly would lend itself to part two so to speak of your early 30s which I don't really like to talk about yet (laughs) (laughs) but it is right around the corner so yeah I know yeah I I turned 29 here in a in a couple months and I'm like bracing myself for like the last year in my 20s I feel like I don't know I need to do something to soak it up I know (laughs) yep I'm in that right now it's yeah, it's a little surreal. <laughs> like, okay, here we go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Rebecca, we of course have to ask you the famous question that we ask all of our guests on this show, and that is, do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes or no? Why or why not? <laughs> I've been mentally preparing for this. <laughs> so, the question. Yes. Uh, so the answer is no. <laughs> and I a complicated answer I guess I what even is feminism anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will answer that with another question I I don't really like what it has become it doesn't resonate with me at all I just first of all I don't think I would even be accepted if I tried to say that I was a feminist (laughs) because (laughs) I don't check all of those boxes on their agenda. And that's kind of what it seems to come down to, unfortunately, is are you aligned with what we believe versus just celebrating and supporting women, period? Mm-hmm. It it more so, like I said, it you have to you have to pass have like clearance or something. <laughs> um yeah, it to does be accepted. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, go buy this book, Unbothered, What I Learned the Hard Way About College Job Hunting and How to Make Your 20s Suck a Little Less. You can get it on Amazon. It's a super fun, easy read. Um, Like I said, I read it on my couch on a Sunday night. It was a great night. (laughs) And it's also a a great gift for um, for any of our our moms listening, for um, for any of your your daughters in their 20s. Um, It's encouraging because it really is so relatable. But Rebecca, thank you. This has been great having you on. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, the Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. Love that, Virginia. Thank you so much for taking the time and doing that interview. It's just, I love doing the shows with you and me, but I, I do also love hearing from from other guests and, mm-hmm. and really sharing their perspective. Yeah, Rebecca's awesome. Go buy her book. If you, if you don't have it, haven't heard of it, check it out. 
And with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition for Problematic Women. Join us on Thursday for a special Valentine's Ooh. edition of Problematic Women. It's going to be a fun time. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world. And we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week. We will see you on Thursday. Peace out. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.